Hello beloved, it's wonderful to share this evening message with you from the book of Revelation. We are busy with the book of Revelation chapter 7 and uh, wow, what a journey just to walk, uh, how can I say, through the book of Revelation and to pick up the different pearls that we can find and that we can see within the pages of the book of Revelation. Obviously, the greatest of these is the fact that we are busy with the revelation of Jesus Christ yeah? and how Jesus Christ gave information to John and John then trans, um, how can I say, wrote it down so that we can have it, so that we can basically uh, have a revelation of Jesus Christ that is just absolutely amazing. And while I am so excited to be able to share the book of Revelation with you as we work through the book just taking verse by verse and just looking at uh, a little bit of the interpretations, maybe some of the interpretations or just w what seems to be the the best uh, interpretation. Or maybe if there are different interpretations, just look at different interpretations as we work our way through this book. Right now, let's close our eyes and let's have a word of prayer as we continue Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the privilege to study your word, to study the book of Revelation, to know that there is a blessing as we study the book of Revelation. And thank you that we can be busy with the revelation of Jesus Christ. Make it real to us, we pray. And Father, enable me as your servant to teach your people the truth of the book of Revelation. And, and those things that are not clear, those things that I cannot um, share, uh, to make it clear, for your people, I pray that you will make it clear through the Holy Spirit that indwells us. Thank you that we have the book of Revelation. Thank you that we have, we have your word. And thank you that we know it's inspired by you. Thank you that we know it's without any error. And thank you that it's all sufficient in all matters of faith and practice. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now, last time we ended off with Revelation chapter 7, verse 5 to 8. Let me just read it to you again. Revelation chapter 7, verse 5 to 8. It says, Of the tribe of Judah were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Reuben were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Gad were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Asher were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Naphtali um, were sealed 12,000 and of the tribe of Manasseh were sealed 12,000 of the tribe of Sibion, uh, Simeon were sealed 12,000 of the tribe of Levi were sealed 12,000 by the way uh, when we look at the tribe of Levi Levi was the tribe that never received land né? remember because they were surrounded I would say they were um, living around the or close to the tabernacle because they were ministering in the tabernacle. And later on, the tribe of Levi were the ones who would minister in the temple. All right. And of the tribe of uh, Ishaskar were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Zabulon were sealed 12,000. And of the tribe of Joseph were sealed 12,000. And of the tribe of Benjamin were sealed 12,000. Now, some scholars argue that the 144,000 uh, people that are mentioned here that we basically last time you remember we were talking about them as being the 144,000 Jewish evangelists 
And now there are scholars that argue, there are people that argue that they aren't necessarily Jews. But just a, a reading of verses 4 to 8, as we just read, we read uh, verses 5 to 8, but if you read verse 4 to 8, it tells us that uh, they're wrong. Those verses go on to identify the tribes, each one of them by name, and each that uh, of them, there are 12,000 that come from them. Now, most Jews alive today do not know uh, which tribe they are from, but God does, right? And I believe he purposefully selected 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes. I mean, you may notice when you read Revelation chapter 7, specifically verses 4 to 8, that two tribes are basically missing, and two others have been um, substituted in their place. And the question can be, why? Now, some scholars believe that the tribe of Dan is missing because the, the Jewish Antichrist, known as and, um, yeah, Jewish Antichrist, known as the false prophet, will basically be a descendant of the tribe of Dan. That's what some of them believe. Now, uh, this certainly seems to be the meaning of an ancient prophecy that um, Jacob gave about the tribes of Israel, you know, in the last days when he said that Dan will be a serpent in the way, a venomous viper by the path that bites the horse's heel so that his rider uh, falls backwards. All right, what a prophecy, né? Um and we can expect the Holy Spirit to, to move in the hearts of people, I believe, at the beginning of the tribulation and um, to, to culminate with the second coming of Christ. Now, later on in Revelation chapter 14, we'll discover another 144,000. Uh, now, see if you think that they are the same or whether they are different. Now, from the Revelation 14 list, of uh, 12 names, both Dan, who uh, we, we just discussed, and Ephraim, they are both omitted. I believe that Dan was omitted because of the evil in, their, in his life. Yeah? Now, on the other hand, Levi and Joseph and Manasseh, they um, helped to make up the 12 tribes. Now, by the way, Levi wasn't listed because he received no land. He was the priestly tribe of Israel. Uh, and God chooses whom he wills. And he places them uh, as he pleases. Not as we please, but as he pleases. This brings us to verse 9, where we read, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindred and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the, the Lamb clothed with white robes and um, palms in their hands. Now, if we look at this verse, it's obviously that we are looking at believers here, believers in Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. Nah? Uh, and they've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And they've been taken into heaven. Now, one comforting truth that um, 
glean from Revelation is that although the Antichrist will have power over all people and languages, uh, he will not be able to deceive all the individuals on the earth during the tribulation period. Verse 9 makes it very clear that the preaching of the gospel by the 144,000 Jewish witnesses will reach a multitude that no one can number. Uh, it obviously could mean that we are talking here about a, a, a numberable multitude of all the believers through all the time that has been saved. And they are from every language and tribe and people. So therefore even Satan's control will not keep people from receiving Christ as their Lord and Savior individually. You see, this is in court, in accord with the, the way that it has always been during the Christian dispensation. Nations and people have rejected Christ, but throughout all the ages, it was individuals who received Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Not necessarily, you know, nations and people groups, all of them, but individuals have always responded to the gospel of Christ. Now, according to John chapter 1, verse uh, 10 and 11, uh, we read the following, that he was in the world, that's Jesus, was in the world, and through the world, and though the world was made uh, through him, the world did not recognize him. And now we get to verse 12 where it says, um, He came to those which was um, his own, but his own did not receive him. Okay? Yet, to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Beloved, salvation is the individual who basically comes to salvation in Jesus Christ. That's why verse 12 says, All who receive him, to those who believe in his name, there's the individual thing there, he gave the right to become children of God. So it's individual. It's, it's very individual, those who come to faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Now in verse 10 we read uh, of Revelation chapter 7, that uh, and cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God, which sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb. Now important, we cannot take credit for our salvation. Now I think, that's very clear to everyone. We can't take um, credit for our own salvation. Our salvation is basically a free gift of God's grace to sinners. That, that's our salvation. In uh, Ephesians chapter 2 that I preached on this morning, uh, it is very clear that salvation is of God. It's not of us. It's God who makes us alive. It's God who gives us the free gift of salvation. It's God who gives us the gift of grace. And it's God who gives us the gift of faith to be able to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. When it comes to our salvation, uh, it is Jesus Christ who deserves all the credit for our salvation. It's not any work of our own. Our works has never been good enough and it will never be good enough uh, for people to be saved through what we can do and what we can accomplish in this life. Jesus is the only one who can save. 
I mean, He purchased our salvation with His precious blood. And we must praise and worship Him, for He alone deserves all the credit. And of course, the triune God, Father, um, Son, and Holy Spirit uh, is the ones who sits on the throne. Right? The, the one being revealed in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, is, has always been involved in the redemption of mankind. It is the triune God that is involved in our salvation. It's the triune God who is involved in creation of the heavens and the earth. It is the triune God that is involved in uh, bringing about the new heaven and the earth. It's the triune God who brings about the new Jerusalem. It is the triune God that is involved in the election of Israel, uh, in the, the election of, uh, how can I say, the Gentiles and bringing people to salvation. It is the triune God that is involved right through. All right. Now in verse 11 of uh, uh, Revelation chapter 7, we read, And all the angels stood uh, around or stood around about the throne and uh, about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and they worshipped God. Oh, this is another, let's say, uh, another view of the throne. This vision that John has of the throne area, the throne room, or the area where the throne is situated. This is just another view of the same uh, place where the throne is, where God's glory is, where God's Shekinah glory is, where, where God is present. And of course, Elohim, the triune God, is... He's on the throne. He's he's in the center of everything that happens. Okay, we know that Scripture teaches us that Jesus Christ descended into heaven and is at the right hand of the Father. He's preparing a place for us, then He will return again. All right, so He is at the right hand of God the Father. He's on the right hand of, of the throne of the Almighty God. Then we read about the four living beings. They are very near to the throne of God. We read about the 24 elders who are basically representatives of all of Christendom, uh, everybody that is saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. They also near to the throne of God. And, and it says that the angels encircle the throne and they all fall before the throne of God in total adoration and worship. Oh, beloved, it's it's such a a picture, isn't it? Such a beautiful picture of of true worship. When all of God's people and the angels and the seraphim and uh, everyone that is around the throne, basically, um, how can I say, they fall before the throne of the Almighty God. In, in adoration and in worship. Why? Because God is worthy. Wow, what a picture. What a picture, beloved. And, and you know what? Won't it be amazing for us to be there before the throne of God, uh, looking at the Almighty God, the Creator of heaven and earth, 
looking at him, seeing him face to face, experiencing his Shekinah glory, bowing before him in adoration and worship. Won't it be something amazing? Beloved, I, 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 I think it, it, wow, it must be one of the amazing, most amazing things that we would ever experience in our lives. And, and basically, what Revelation is telling us is this is what God is preparing for us. This is something that is awaiting us. Well, maybe not exactly like that, but I do believe we're going to bow before him. I believe we're going to experience the angels and the seraphim. I believe we're going to experience the throne of the Almighty God. I believe we are going to be able to bow down before Him, to worship Him with all the other saints through all of history. It will be such a a joy, such a a blessing to be in the, the presence of the Almighty God. Now, verse 12 says, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Oh, beloved. You know that Amen basically means so be it. And uh, here we are basically reading, so be it to the praise and the worship of Almighty God. Oh, it is so important that God is to be worshipped. And why? It's for who He is. Absolutely for who He is. Obviously for what He has done and what He can do and what He will do. And uh, but, but we worship Him for who He is. Oh, beloved, that's amazing. And this blessing here is basically sevenfold. It speaks about blessing and it speaks about glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might. Beloved, <laughs> if, if, if this is the cry that we will experience the sevenfold blessing from God, which is blessing in itself and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might, that we will be able to experience all of this, it will obviously be amazing experience of blessing from God. We will be blessed. We will be able to glorify Him and Spirit and in truth because we are no longer in this world. We are no longer, we no longer will have a sinful nature. We no longer follow after this world and the things of this world and the God of this world and and after sin and we are no longer subject to anything of this earth. So it will be a major blessing to be with God, to experience and behold His glory and His wisdom. And we'll be there with great thanksgiving in our hearts for what He has done and what He is going to do in the future. And we will all honor Him. Beloved, and we will experience His power because His resurrection power and His ascension power has now worked in us. It raised us to new life in Christ, which means we became born again through His resurrection power. But He also, so He raised us uh, from death to life. Okay, that's the first thing. But then also His ascension power that, that takes us into glory, into heaven forever and ever, to be with Christ forever and ever and ever and ever. And we are going to experience sevenfold blessing when we are there. 
Wow. And then spiritually speaking, complete blessing are always speaking of in the sevens. Ne? Yeah, because it's a heavenly setting. So this is talking about heavenly blessing, spiritual blessing. and But it still uses the, the, um, the number seven, seven different blessings, blessings which tells us that the blessings are complete when we are in heaven. Now we get to verse 13 of Revelation chapter 7. Verse 13 says, And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these who are arrayed in white robes? And whence come they? Or from whence come they? From where do they come? Beloved, this elder is, is actually representative of the church. We know that now. And he actually knew who those people, these people were. It's obvious. Because uh, he, he's one of them. <laughs> so he probably asked the question to actually teach those who did not understand who these multitudes of people were before the throne. Uh, obviously people knew about, or they, they knew about the angels and they knew about the seraphim and the seraphim and um, that, th- those kind of things. But this multitude of people in heaven with the angels is, must have been something amazing to see. Now, those who are basically arrayed in white robes um, cannot be the same people who were sealed on the forehead, nah? the 144,000. Can't be the same people. Because those who were sealed on their foreheads, they would have no reason to be sealed if they would be immediately transported into heaven. You know? There are no winds of terror in heaven. Uh, What those 144,000 are going to face, that's not in heaven. There would be no purpose for putting the mark on them so that they can have a mark in heaven because everybody in heaven belongs to the Lord. You don't have to to, to distinguish between different people in heaven because uh, we all belong to Christ. So this is certainly another group. They have been taken out of the great tribulation on this earth. Now, the seven years are basically broken up now into two, three and a half year periods. The first three and a half years are called the tribulation. And the last three and a half years are basically known as the great tribulation. Now, we know that Christians will experience, they will know or they will experience tribulation. But what they will be saved from is they will be saved from the wrath of God. If God's wrath is going to be poured out on this earth, all his children will be spared from it because Jesus Christ already carried the wrath of God on our behalf. All right, so he pleased the wrath of God. Uh, not for those who perish, but for all that those he saves. He has paid the penalty. He took the wrath of God upon himself and it satisfied God that what Jesus Christ, the sacrifice he brought, that it was a perfect sacrifice, he accepted it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10 says, um, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivers us from the wrath to come. You see, Jesus Christ delivers us from the wrath that is going to come. We read in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 to 4, it says, And at that time shall Michael stand up, 
the great prince which stands for the children and uh, your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Even to that time or that same time. And at that time your people shall be delivered. Every one that shall be found written in the book. So those people who need to be saved will be saved. Those whose names are written in the book of life, they will be saved. And that's announced by Daniel over the people of Israel. And the 144,000 are part of that. And, And it continues to say that, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. And then he says, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. You see, beloved, there is no question that what we read about in in the book of Daniel is the same time as what we have been reading now in the book of Revelation. I mean, Daniel 12 verse 9 says, And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Beloved, this verse is, is why some people believe that there will be a rapture of the church at the beginning of the Great Tribulation. But if we read the rest of the chapter, uh, for example, chapter 12 now of Daniel, uh, when we get to verse 12, it says, Blessed is he that waits and comes to uh, the 1,350 days. 1,335 days, sorry. Now this time seems to be um, at the end of the time of the Great Tribulation. When the earth is basically renewed, this could also be uh, a little bit of time that with the wrath of God, at the end of that period, where the wrath of God will be poured out from 1,260 days, um, or is it 90, 1,260 days until 1,338 days, that, that could be the period of the great, I can say, of God's wrath that's being poured out on this earth. Uh, that's hard to say. All right. But um, the time that we are reading about in, in uh, chapter 12, the 1,335 years, uh, th- this time is to be at the end of the Great Tribulation. When the earth is renewed and the sheep and the goats are basically separated from one another. Okay. But the original time that was given is this 1260 days. And it could be that the 75 days where things are being, uh, that could be the tribulation period, after the uh, wrath of God being poured out on this earth, where God uh, culminates everything, where things are, are basically rolled up just before, prior to the coming of Jesus Christ. You know, so we, we just don't know. These things are not as clear. I, I do believe it could be 
that the 75 days, you know, the difference between the 1,260 days and the 1,335 days, that it can give us that period of time, that 75 days, um, in which we are basically um, looking at the the wrath of God being poured out on the place uh, on the planet. Okay. Now what I'm going to do is I think I'm going to end here. Then God willing, next week or next time, are we going to read verse 14? Because I would like to finish off next week with chapter 7, if it's possible, by God's grace. Uh, and verse, verse 14 of chapter 7 says the following. He says, And I said unto him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are they which come out of the great tribulation, and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. All right, so there's going to be those who come out of the tribulation period. They're going to, uh, how can I say, mm, they're going to be, as he says, they come out of the tribulation period. They have washed their robes, which means they have uh, repented of their sin. They've come to faith in Jesus Christ. Okay. And Christ made them white. In the blood of the Lamb. But they die during that period. But they die as martyrs for Christ. They don't die because of the wrath of God. You see, God never said that we're not going to die because of persecution, because people will hate us for the sake of Christ. No, many people are going to die because of that. Even the Antichrist's wrath will be poured out on the church and he will try to destroy the church. That's not God's wrath, that's persecution. And that kind of strengthens the church and it, it makes the church more righteous and it helps with our holiness and that kind of thing. But the, the wrath of God, that's when God's wrath is poured out on everything and everyone. And, and whoa, nobody can stand God's wrath. So the church will be separated from it. I believe that's where the 1,335 days come in. In comparison to the 1,260, that 70, those 75 days are basically 75 days that we, uh, that the church will be so, um, how can I say, protected uh, from the wrath of God. Even um, the 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 uh, the Jews, those who came to faith in Jesus Christ, now part of the the body of Christ, now, but they are still part of Israel. God will save them. Maybe that's the time that we run into the mountains and, and, and hide. But it could also be at that specific stage that God just takes us away. Jesus comes on the clouds. Those who died in Christ will rise first. And those who are alive will be changed in an instant to meet Jesus in the air. And, and we will be with him for those 75 days. And things will happen in heaven. Uh, like the marriage feats of the Lamb and a lot of things like that. And then... We will return to this earth with Jesus Christ. Him riding on a white horse. It's, it's just amazing. Beloved, but we can't put our head on a block. As these things happen and unfold and we see it happen, we will know that it's what, what exactly it all meant. Even in the first coming of Christ, there are a few things where people got it wrong. And the reason why they got it wrong is because they un- interpreted the Old Testament prophecies within their own understanding. Because that's all they had. They didn't have the clarity of the New Testament yet. 
So they interpreted the way they could and, and they missed a few things. But after these events took place, wow, they understood it. They understood that, yeah, obviously it is true and it came true in the first coming of Christ. So I believe there are many things that's been said about the second coming of Christ and it's not as 100% clear um, what is going to happen. But when we go through it and we look back, we will know exactly how these things worked. Beloved, that, that concludes our message. Um, I hope you have been blessed just looking through the and, and trying to, to look at the meaning of the different verses within chapter 7 of the book of Revelation. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's such a privilege to come to you. It's such a privilege to speak to you. It's such a privilege to pray to you. It is such a privilege to know you. It's such a privilege to know that you are our God and you are in control of our lives and that you are the one who holds us in the palm of your hand and you will never ever let us go. Thank you, Father, that through the the verses of the Bible, the passages of your word, we can see that we are not destined for wrath. Yes, we will be persecuted. And yes, people will hate us for your name's sake. But Father, we're not destined for wrath. And you will protect us. Oh, it's so beautiful. And, and why will you protect us? For the sake of Christ, because we belong to him. Father, so we pray, please, in Jesus' name, that you will enable us to understand things as things unfold. Uh, those things that you want to reveal to us before things unfold, that's fine. But Father, we pray that you will enable us to understand and that things will become clear as we work our way through your word. I thank you very much for everything. May your name be glorified in and through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Beloved, thank you very much for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he give you his peace, God willing now and forevermore. Amen.